0: Hey, who's coming with Brad, Jen, and myself on the 80s cruise next year? The 2019 Voyage features host Dee Snyder and performances by Kenny Loggins, Berlin, Sheila E., OMD, Grandmaster Flash, The Fix, Cutting Crew, English Beat, Starship, and more. It's all happening March 2nd through 9th on the Celebrity Infinity. Join us for a seven-day trip back in time while we sail the Western Caribbean. Just go to www.the80scruise.com to book. But... Remember to use the promo code STUCK to save hundreds off listed prices. Jen, Brad, and I will be on the ship to host Big 80s Trivia and to record a live podcast. You can be there. Book select cabins and get a free drink package now. Seriously, you do not want to miss the 80s cruise. We never do. Now on
1: with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans.
2: It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new
0: people.
3: The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like
1: that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck
0: in the 80s. Sure, it's
3: not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring.
0: If there ever come a time when you feel real nice and you want
3: to let someone know that you really appreciate them, all you have to do is just come on a little bit for them. You go somebody take them.
0: Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Speerzy And Brad in L.A. And today we go back in time to explore the forgotten
3: hits of 1982.
2: And now you find
3: yourself in Don't forget, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website.
0: You can find it at clnsmedia.com. Hey, and if you're a regular listener to the show, help us out. Share a link to this episode or any of your favorite episodes on Facebook or Twitter. Show friends that you're a proud member of Stuck in the 80s Nation. Let's grow our family in 2018.
3: Joining us today, is Steve. She remembers 1982 as if it were just 36 years ago. It's <laughs> Jen with one N.
2: It, it's true, actually. That's a very accurate introduction. Thanks, Brad, and hello, everybody.
0: Sop, I love these shows. We started this a, a, like a month or so ago um, because we realized that as you go back, you know, 30 some years, you you hear the same songs over and over again. Now, I don't care if you listen to regular radio or you listen to a Sirius XM. For the most part. We've got the hits down; they're like you know ingrained into our heads. You know we can spout the the choruses while we're taking a shower. But when you take a closer look at the charts for each year, there's some songs that were really big hits that you never hear anymore. And so yeah. we have these forgotten hits shows. But before we get into them, I want to remind everyone of the songs that really were huge hits back in 1982, uh, gigantic hits that I guarantee we all still have. Uh, Burned in our brains. Brad, what were some of the hits from uh, 1982 that nobody has forgotten?
3: Okay. The top 10 from the year-end Hot 100 that year were as follows. Olivia Newton-John with... Physical. Physical, Mm -hmm. yes. Survivor with Eye of the Tiger. Oh, yeah. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts cover of I Love Rock and Roll. Or is that an original? No, it's it's Joan Jett. It must be a cover. (laughs) Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. Ebony and Ivory. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> Jake Giles Band with Centerfold. Now there's a hit for you. Don't You Want Me by The Human League. Holding down both 7 and 8 is John Cougar with Jack and Diane and Hurt So Good. Steve Miller Band with Abracadabra, which is more of an indictment of the charts than anything. And number 10, Chicago is Hard to Say I'm Sorry. Ugh. You got the, you got the top 10 list. and some editorializing. No
2: <laughs> this is the soundtrack... Jen, with one end's fourth grade year, I'm pretty sure I heard "Eye of the Tiger" either on the radio or someone singing it every single now, day. Let me ask
0: you this: I believe Jen. It. I mean, because you're in fourth grade, you said.
2: I think fourth. Yeah.
0: Were you allowed to walk around and sing "Centerfold"? I mean, did you even comprehend the meaning of the song at that point?
2: I had no idea what it was. It was quite confusing, actually. <laughs> and, <laughs> still you know, fa- is kind of. still is- well, fast forward <laughs> to years later and and I get from my best friend, Lucy, for um, my daughter's birthday, we'll say, a karaoke machine. And so I buy for my daughter's karaoke machine hits of the 80s. And so she's she knows a lot of these songs. And I had her one yeah. time because I don't know what I was thinking. I had like this moment had her sing centerfold and i was like i that wow <laughs> not never again <laughs> i felt very <laughs> bad <laughs> um bad parenting but anyway yeah centerfold was confusing then and i yeah. and I, I, I forgot it's called centerfold i mean you would think it would be a clue i don't know if i knew
0: what a centerfold was when i was in fourth grade Brad probably did. He was. He's very worldly.
3: No, probably not. (laughs) Very
2: sophisticated.
3: Dad did have a subscription to Playboy, so I'd seen them. Your dad had a subscription to Playboy. Oh yeah, and I found this out years later that it was something that like his friend bought him a copy, and he bought his friend a copy, so he couldn't say. So (gasps) so my mom couldn't say. Well, why are you buying that magazine? She's like, oh, it's a gift.
2: (laughs) That's that's weirder than buying your own copy.
3: Yeah, (laughs) strange gift subscription from his friend. Anyway, the whole thing's Just, very Where important. did he keep
2: them? He kept them in the closet or in the garage or... In the, the bathroom. bathroom. the
3: bathroom. That's, that's not, that's not yeah. smart. Can we please I move don't know what to off. tell you. That's how they were. Moving on.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I can move on. You know?
3: And so we remain here. I'll answer any of your questions
0: I want. <laughs> and so we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the... <laughs> Okay, let's get started. Brad, what is one of your uh, forgotten hits from 1982?
3: Well, before we get started, I have to say, uh, now, I've heard some from the first two shows, the 1980 and 1981 show. My older sister is like, none of those are forgotten. I remember all of those. And we're kind of getting into that sweet spot, maybe not if you were in fourth grade. <laughs> but when I look at this list, and I remember back to 1982, and I look at the Hot 100 from the year end, again you kind of said this earlier steve i know the chorus to all of these songs like i don't think i've forgotten any of these songs so we're getting into that sweet spot where it's going to be hard to pick ones that are forgotten and i'm just going to pick ones that maybe i don't hear as much as i'd like anymore for the next few years And then we'll get to the last half of the decade and i'll be like i don't know any <laughs> yeah. of this stuff but uh, anyway that said my first pick today something from an artist that we all loved on the first 80s cruise it's take my heart, you can have it if you want it, by Cool in the Gang.
2: It's all yours if
3: you want it, baby. My heart is tearing all apart. I say, Ooh. you can have it, yeah, if you want it. If
0: you want it, come and get it, baby. But if
3: you want it, you can have it. Ah, come and get it, girl, yeah.
0: Did they play this song on the cruise? I was just going to ask that.
3: I don't know to be honest. I don't honest. think so. Uh, it wouldn't it's not really a great unless they were looking for like let's take it down a notch here. It's just not a real upbeat, you know, crowd pleaser. But I think it's a great song. This it's the lead single from their 1981 album Something Special. It was released as a single in October of 81 and it kind of hung out in the charts long enough to land at number 85 in the 1982 year-end Hot 100. It peaked at number 17 right at the beginning of the year, like in the first couple of weeks of the charts. I just think this is a great R&B jam. I'm not sure. Is it a slow jam? You guys it, tell me. Yeah, slow jam.
2: Do you think? I, I feel... Kind I don't know. It, I,
3: I maybe mean, it's not sexy enough to be a slow jam. Maybe it's like a
2: medium jam.
3: <laughs> maybe it's just a, not, but it's, a mid-tempo jam. Like, I like jam. the song
2: a lot. I, don't, I remember it, but I don't remember... He, like hearing it on the radio quite a lot or yeah but i do remember it but it's a great song it's like smooth
3: oh it just yeah and it just kind of ticks along and the guy's kind of you know my my theme today for the songs this guy is the lead singer talking a little bit he kind of talks a little bit at the beginning like hey man how about this <laughs> um it's hey, covered man, about by robert <laughs> palmer in 1983 and it's, his cover is just not good it It's one of those things where it just – I feel like this song is almost perfect as recorded by Cool and the Gang, and Robert Palmer just didn't do anything to make it interesting or different enough to you – know, it's just complete I, meh I don't track like, filler on his 83 album. I don't, Pride. I
0: don't, I don't like Robert Palmer, period. I, I just really – Really? No, I just – I don't – I really, really don't like him. The Power
3: Station years, Ugh, man, just... Yeah, I'm not a big Power Station fan, but Riptide is a hell of a... Yeah, album. it is. Well,
2: I'm surprised that he covered guess. a song so soon after it
3: came out. Yeah, me too. I mean, especially something that was... I mean, it's not like it's a deep album cut. It was a number one R&B single in late 1981 and was succeeded as the number one R&B single at that point by Let's Groove, <sighs> which is, you know, if you're going to lose to something, you could do a lot worse than that. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of an odd choice for him. Okay, Jen, uh, your turn. Pick, give us a uh, forgotten
0: classic from uh, 1982. I,
2: I will. I, I'm just having a moment where I just had this thought where Let's Groove... Remember when we were talking about like what are some songs we would play at our funeral? I just realized <laughs> <laughs> that Let's Groove go would be, let's be groove,
0: but, uh, okay. great.
2: No? I'll, let, let me work let's on it. But groove. as soon as you said that, I thought, huh, mm.
3: <laughs> I really love that you know, song. I don't know. I think I... I you realize I think, that, you know, maybe go with I Am from the Earth, Wind, and Fire catalog. You,
0: you know that Take My Heart, You Can Have It If You Want, it also works for a funeral song.
3: Good, That's kind of what I'm point. thinking. Good point. I'm not doing anything with I mean, it's nowhere. It. The
0: streets have no name. <laughs> right. Exactly. You've, you've used it. Time to move on. Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. We're no, sorry. I, I, I digress. I digress. That
2: was my digression. So the song that I chose is by one... Um, Miss Juice Newton, and it's called Love's Been a Little Bit Hard on Me.
0: just say this song sounds like it belongs on the zapped soundtrack. Huh <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> what scene? It just does. When I started listening to it, I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like every song on the zapped soundtrack. Just just saying. Just the anyway, feel of I- it. Yeah, but go ahead. Tell us more about it.
2: All right. Well, so this song was released in May of 1982, and it reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 that summer of 82. And it also charted on uh, the Billboard Adult Contemporary Chart at number four and number 30 on the Billboard Country Chart. So one of the reasons I picked this song is because I remember that... I, I didn't remember it at the time. I did, had no clue at the time. Um, but when I look back, I, I this. these were the years where we have those... Sort of country pop crossovers, right? The Eddie Rabbit. Oh we've yeah, we talked a little absolutely. bit about it before. Yeah, but I thought it would be fun to pick um, to pick one of those because she actually, um, Juice Newton actually earned a Grammy nomination for best female vocalist, but in the pop category, which surprised me. Huh. Yeah, because I would think, yeah. you know, it really straddles the line. This song, but I love it. It's it's really bouncy and fun. I wanted to pick a song by somebody who had other songs on the chart, so she had some other songs on the chart. Another one of her big hits was Queen of Hearts. And I just wanted to pick something that maybe people didn't remember that she did. So Love's Been a Little Bit Hard on Me sort of fell into that for me. But um, but as I was watching the video for this, have you guys seen the, yes. the video? Yes. Oh,
3: my gosh. It's amazing. Do you remember it? It's amazing. No, no, not so at all. I kind
2: of remember it, but oh, dear, you guys. I mean, <laughs> so <laughs> the video sort of a comedic kind of video. And it's a it's a storytelling video that there were so many of in, in the early 80s. But it's basically Juice. Oh, so good. So Juice Newton, it's a, a play on the title of the song, Loves, but a little bit hard on me. So she and her boyfriend, I guess her fiancé, they seem to have a fine relationship until her fiancé starts like hurting her body like yeah,
3: doing her <laughs> grievous bodily harm <laughs> but
2: in like i mean the, the guys just are really clumsy dude so like the first thing that happens early on in the video is he he opens the door for her because he's a gentleman and she gets into this convertible and then he closes the door on her leg <laughs> and then her leg is broken so she gets and, it, and everybody, everybody's like jump you know smiling and that love's been a little bit, oh you know? yeah <laughs> so then he um she gets she gets her a cast on and then she's got a, a crutch and he's carrying it for her and then turns around and then knocks her over with the crutch. So then she just keeps getting hurt over and over and over again. Oh, and then at the very end, she's in a wheelchair and he accidentally like <laughs> lets her roll <laughs> off the edge of a cliff. Oh P. S. It's their wedding day. So she tumbles down the hill in her wheelchair still. <laughs> and then he like Yeah. And then
3: and he, like, what does he do he next? That's
2: Oh well, and then he takes his boutonniere because they're getting married that day, folks, and throws it behind her down he the just
3: the pull, cliff. Pulls it out of his hotel and tosses it down the hill like, oh well, kind of shrugs, just oh, well. like a Mentos commercial.
2: Oh <laughs> my gosh, it is very, very weird. It is very, very, weird. and I think about like if it were on today, it's like there would be you know protests about this video that has domestic violence in it and treats it so lightheartedly. It's but like, slapstick. it's 1982, so. It gets awarded Video of the Year by the American oh, Video geez. Association. Oh. Anyway, so, I thought that was very amusing. Let,
3: let me ask one question, just real quick. So I'm I'm watching this video, and I'm looking at Juice Newton, and I think to myself, Juice Newton looks a little bit like a grown-up Taylor Swift.
2: I can see Maybe. that.
3: Yeah, a little bit. I can see that.
2: I think Tay-Tay should do a cover or two of Juice Newton. <gasps> Ooh,
3: I'd like to see her take on this video. I'd like to see her roll Oh, a clip. it would be,
2: like, frightening...
3: <laughs> You know who's going down the cliff on that one or to Nate Taylor.
2: <laughs> Different perspectives. <laughs> Very interesting. Anyway, yeah. It's, good. it's, a, it's a good song and, and the video will now haunt me because I won't be able to hear the song without seeing her tumble down the hill in her wheelchair. It's great.
3: Okay, Steve, what do you got
0: first? So when we first started this series, I think I started it off with the Hall & Oates song was one of my picks, either from 1980 or 1981. For some reason, I keep coming back to them because I, I used to be a huge Hall & fan, but... I continually find these songs that were hits for them that I don't remember at all. And this is one of them. This is Hall & Oates with Did It In A Minute.
3: You don't remember that song, Spearsy?
0: Oh, don't sit here and be all high and mighty and tell me you do.
3: I'm going to podcast divorce you this. if you
0: make that claim.
3: I, I'm sure I have. This is a good I'm song. Su- I love it. I'm saying song. it's a forgotten I'm, hit. I'm not saying it's a never heard of. Oh, this hit. is a, it's a, well, you don't, you're right. You don't hear it a lot anymore. Right. But it's a fun song. It is a fun song. So, Did in A
0: Minute was written by Daryl Hall with uh, Sarah and Janet Allen. It was released as, it was the third single off their Private Eyes album in March of 82. Uh, it peaked at number nine on the Hot 100. That's becoming, you know, one of three top ten singles from that album. It's a great album, by the way. That's I think I, I didn't see him on that tour in the '80s. I saw him on the H2O tour. That was that was amazing too. But um, as is a the theme with both of my um, uh, songs here, uh, this actually was inspired by an earlier hit by Eric Carmen, who did a song back in 1977 called "She Did It." And I guess it was the Did It, Did huh. It, Did It from the song that inspired Hall and Notes to do Did It in a Minute. Coincidentally, Eric Carmen was opening for Hall and Notes back when Did It in a Minute became a hit. And, and, aha, She Did It um, by Eric Carmen was inspired, in fact, by a Beach Boys song called Do It Again. So there you go.
2: Huh. Huh.
3: Well, we got some lineage here
2: seriously 80s cruisers if you want to win some trivia just play that last two minutes over and over again (laughs) because that was
1: jam-packed
0: Yeah, trivia that that would be fun too we don't think we've ever had a Hall question on uh,
3: big 80s trivia anyway Brad it's your turn again give us give us another uh, forgotten
0: hit from 1982
3: okay this one I'm going a little bit against against type my second pick is Sheena Easton's You Could Have Been With Me you
2: can So, Brad, this is the first time I've ever heard this song in my entire life. Really? Oh, it's so good.
0: It is a good it's song. It's
3: so good.
0: This was, yeah, do you I, know I, this? I mean, I mean, not as well as Brad probably
3: thinks I do. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, smile when you say that, mister. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about it. This was the second single from her 1981 album of the same name. This is another holdover. The end of the year, the Hot 100 at 64. Um, it snuck into the top 40 late in December of 81 and kind of made its way up to the charts. Uh, got all the way up to number 15 for two weeks in February, which coincidentally peaked to the week that uh, Sheena Easton won the Grammy for Best New Artist that year. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, who else was nominated that year, guys? Uh, Cindy
0: Lauper? Uh, too
3: early. Um, 1982. Well, yeah, the award was in 82, so it's for performances in 1981. I'm not going to sit here and... I'm not going to sit here James Ingram. (laughs)
0: James Ingram. Okay.
3: Luther Vandross. Oh, gosh. The Go-Go's. Okay. Huh. And Adam and the Ants. Oh.
2: Wow. Yeah. Sheena Easton.
3: Check her out. This is a straight-up Torch song, right? Yeah. And it it just is so reminiscent to me of the theme from For Your Eyes Only which is my favorite James Bond movie. She just has such a strong voice in this. It's great. And you never hear this song. You never hear this song. Has
0: anybody seen her perform live?
3: I have not. No.
0: No. No. I'd like to.
3: Yeah, this was written by a New Zealand singer who is Leah Malfred, who was the front woman for a acid glam rock <laughs> band called Ragnarok in the mid seventies. <laughs> like, wait, what? She was apparently she was in, in England after touring in Australia with Elton John, and Sheena Easton's producer Christopher Neal heard some of the, her demos and had uh, Sheena record a couple of them the songwriter said she wasn't too bothered about Easton recording her songs at the time and a record company staffer said you will be when you get the money
0: <laughs> okay well, there's that.
3: Jen you're up what's your second uh,
0: forgotten hit from 1982
2: so going with my theme of kind of country pop crossovers but also picking songs by popular artists that you might not remember I have Make a Move on Me by Olivia Newton-John Do you both love I this song? A,
3: yes. Oh my gosh! Anything it's by ONJ is okay in my book, but yeah, this is a great song.
2: Yeah, this is a fun song, and I'm kind of surprised that they don't put it on more um, like compilations and stuff. Maybe, maybe just physical trumps everything. Um,
3: <laughs> just stomps you know, just trounces.
2: Yeah, right. Like a like a big uh, dinosaur. But um, yeah, so this was on her ninth album, Physical, which came out in '81, and it was the That's second ninth song. Ninth album. She's been around for a while, but she's been around for for
3: a while. I mean, she's no... That's amazing. She's no (laughs) Sheena Easton.
2: Yeah, right. No kidding. No kidding. She's a veteran at this point. Make a Move on Me was the follow-up single, actually, to Physical, which was just a humongous hit. And this one was released in January 1982, peaked at number five on the Hot 100, and it became her 12th single to be certified gold. And also her final single to be certified. Wow. Valid. So wow. I guess Two of a Kind didn't, <laughs> didn't Just, make an impression. I love of
0: Two of a Kind oops. as a song, but not oh, no. so much I, as a movie.
2: <laughs> I love it as a song. I love it as a movie, even <laughs> as a movie. So, But uh, yeah, this is a fun song. It's kind of got an earworm quality for me. I've been humming it for the last day or two. <laughs> it's fun. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll see her solid gold quote performance
3: yeah there are and, a ton of those kind of videos i couldn 't find like an official video for it
2: oh yeah, no, but you 've got to watch the solid gold one because she 's such a great i mean she 's been doing it for a long time at this point, even but she 's such a great performer. Her outfit is on point she 's got these boots on she 's got this little bolero jacket like color, and her hair is the best hair and it, it makes me think like. Usually people say people have great hair when they have long, uh, luxurious hair, but she had that like cute little, almost like a girl mullet with the feathers and a uh, feathered yeah, bangs in the front.
3: very Classic oh 80s look.
2: Beautiful. So, so beautiful. I kind of want to emulate that, but we'll see. Maybe for the cruise. Anyway, yeah. I, I love this song. I don't love it as much as physical because physical is physical, but... I don't... I, I, I don't know. It's, it's got its place. It's, it's got
0: its place. I, physical is so overplayed. I mean that that is a channel turner for me now. If that comes on I'm turning the channel.
2: You guys, what if we like could pass legislation that like substituted physical for make a move on me and like substituted all those songs that you hear on the radio and all the other stations over and over again. We got to submit sort of these replacement songs just for one year, just for 2019 you could hear oh, lesser nice. known songs mm, by the same artists.
3: So He's we could replace me. That Dexie's Midnight Runners song with nothing,
2: <laughs> yeah, just, just wind, just just peaceful wind blowing don't, in the. Don't you know.
0: dis and Dexie. That's not cool.
3: That's beneath oh. the stuck in the eighties host. Okay, okay. Anyway, I take it all back, Steve.
0: Let, let's continue the fun here. I have one final pick uh, for a forgotten classic from nineteen eighty-two. So let me tell you. First of all, I have a complicated history with Elton John. <laughs> I have twice bought tickets to see him in concert, and each time he has canceled the concert, literally, as I was pulling into the parking lot of the venue.
3: Oh. Both both times? times.
0: Not cool, bro. To to the point now where it's like I refuse... I'm afraid. To, I don't know if he's still doing his his residence. Like I know he used to do like shows in Vegas for a while. He does some occasionally. Yeah. I I've been tempted to go see that, but I'm sure that what will happen is I my I will miss my plane. It will show up late. That my my hotel room will be canceled. And should I overcome all those obstacles, I will get to the Coliseum <laughs> and Elton John will cancel just as I walk into the building. So, um, <laughs> nonetheless, I have risen above it all. And I give you this song, Empty Garden. Now, I know a lot of people are screaming at home that Empty Garden is not a forgotten hit. It did rise to number 13 on the billboards. It is from his 1982 album, Jump Up, which I did not own and did not know existed. Uh, It is yet another uh, amazing byproduct of his partnership with longtime collaborator Bernie Taupin. And it is a tribute to John Lennon, who was shot and killed 18 months before the song was released. Did anybody know that? Or am I the only one who knew that? but today i didn't know that i'm not that not familiar either. with the song um, it, it does you will occasionally hear it like if you're listening if 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 like you you have become a patron of the bridge channel on sirius xm or this or stuff like that you know some of the more uh mellow offerings of satellite radio but it turns out that john lennon and elton john were good friends in 1974 uh, lennon appeared on um Elton John's uh, cover of "Losing the Sky with Diamonds. They did a song together called uh, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. And John Lennon made a bet that if it ever becomes number one, he'll perform it alongside Elton John. Okay. Well, it did become number one. And so they did perform it together along with I Saw Her Standing There. It was actually John Lennon's last live performance. And it was held at Madison Square Garden. And hence the title of the song, Empty Garden. Oh, so, uh, for years after uh, John Lennon's death, Elton would not play it. It brought back bad memories. Um, it did finally start to make his set list again, more recently in Vegas a few years ago.
3: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: speaking of things forgotten, did you remember to take your vitamins today? Or do you even know where your vitamins are located anymore? Stuck in the 80s has a new sponsor, and their name is Care Of. Care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. I never know what vitamins to take, but that's where care of was a big help for me. I just went to their website. I took a quick online quiz. It asked about my diet, my health, my liquor consumption. Well, I don't think it actually did that, but it could have. I would have been honest. It's, it's a lifestyle choice. We all make them. But after a few minutes, it delivered a personalized vitamin pack just for me. And then boom. A 30-day supply is shipped right to your door at prices that are 20% less than the local drugstores. And don't stress this. Recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from real doctors and real nutritionists. And because you're a listener to Stuck in the 80s, you get a special deal from Care Of. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter 80s. That's 25% off your first personalized care of vitamins. Just go to takecareof.com and enter 80s. Taking your vitamins hasn't been this easy since your mom handed you a Flintstones chewable pill back in the 80s. Hey, by the way, you know what else is chewable and from the 80s? The 80s. 80s. the lovely refrain that is, I want my mystery TV theme song. Hey, you know the shtick here. We're going to play a snippet of a theme song from an 80s television show. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the uh, very elusive and yet somehow still obtainable bottle openers emblazoned with the stuck in the 80s logo. Right, Brad? Shocking. (laughs) Okay, pay attention. Here was the clue. Yep, that's Silver Spoons. Yay. Again.
2: Here we are, face to
1: face, a couple of Silver Spoons. Hoping to find we're two of a kind.
0: And yes, it's the second time we've done a Silver Spoons one. I guess we did it back
3: in episode 426. Yeah, according to my notes. According to my notes. And we're
0: going to run out of TV shows eventually. Just you know,
3: We're just trying to keep everyone sharp. Are you paying attention?
0: Yeah. I think everyone was paying attention. And based on our download numbers, you are not. So anyway,
3: oh, that hurts. Everyone that downloaded is paying attention.
0: That is true. I would think so. Uh, Brad, read some of the winners
3: winners this week include tim from toadsuck joseph purdue dave in oxford chris living on the air in cincinnati adams peter ryan tom corn in austria alan titus dj and clinton john damakis jeremy in st pete aaron shirley giovanni in london i don't know if that's london uk or london connecticut or which london but he's in london chris in charm city dave augie august madden oregon mike c in pasadena jeff neal jesse Elgato grande smith jeremy in stashville beau fornaris Brian in San Francisco, Janet JFK Not, Mister Aaron Carpenter, Mega Code aka Mark, Canuck and Callie, and Bart Pickard. Brad, spin the wheel. Let's find out who gets a bottle opener.
0: I kind of want to know the uh, backstory between Stashville, and I also want to know why Tom in Austria keeps saying Tom Corn in Austria. Did I miss something? In the you've been doing that for months. I don't now.
3: know. Maybe he got. Maybe you got tired of the using the, the Arnie quotes maybe, all the time. Maybe.
0: Oh, look! Hey, we're going to come in for a winner here, and the winner is John John Damacus. Well, you
3: know, hey, if 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 you give him something, you're allowed okay. to mispronounce their name slightly. Johnny,
0: your last name is now pronounced Damacus. Although I'm pretty sure there's no accent on the A, and yet I've just inserted one. Uh, send us your snail mail via email, and we'll send that bottle opener off to you soon. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and to the next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
3: Next, join celebrities from your favorite shows as they rise and fall on the panel of the network stars, whether it's on the sea or in the air. Real people Sarah Purcell, Scott Baio from Happy Days. I love you. Charlene Tilton from Dallas. Gil Gerard. Dukes of Hassel's Catherine Fox. Larry Wilcox. That's Incredibles' Kathy Lee Crosby. Be with your favorite stars and join in the cheering. The Battle of the Network stars next on ABC. And
0: hey, we're back. We have just a few minutes left. And I thought, hey, you know who we haven't heard from in a, forever in a day? Our old friend Jeff in Cuba. For those of you who are longtime listeners to the podcast, Jeff is our good friend. He used to be based down in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, for many, many years, and he was a, a good, good friend of the show. Still is a great friend. If you want to go back and hear one of the most classic episodes ever uh, of Stuck in the 80s, go back and listen to the Red Scare movies of the 80s. I think it's just Red Scare of the 80s. It's a good one. It's really good. Jeff was actually in the States for a week and came to our studios and we recorded that, uh, that episode. But uh, today he comes to us, uh, as he used to always do this, he used to submit these amazing um, stories via audio file that he would record in, uh, down there in Guantanamo Bay down in Gitmo. And he would send them to us and we would air them. And today he's here to defend his very unexplainable, but yet he explains it, decision not to attend the infamous U2 at Red Rocks concert some 35 years ago. So take it away, Jeff.
1: Well, I can't say I didn't see it coming. As soon as I saw the podcast was going to turn to dream concerts, I could tell the conversational breadcrumbs were already in place. Talk of iconic concerts would inevitably turn to U2 at Red Rocks, and that would dredge up the oft-told tale of 19-year-old Jeff tearing up his ticket. I've mentioned it a few times on the blog, and I've taken some good-natured shots about it. But your histrionic protestations have inspired me to share a heretofore unrevealed element of the story, a little context. For this is more than just a story of missed opportunities and cultural naivete. It's a cautionary tale of the dangers of nostalgic bias and retroactive judgment. those of you sitting in judgment of my judgment need to set your incredulity aside and think back to the summer of 1983. And those of you who can't remember the summer of 1983 have no business judging me in the first place, and should just sit quietly and enjoy the story. In 2018, U2 is such a cultural juggernaut that it's easy to forget that, once upon a time, they were an up-and-coming band. On June 5, 1983, they weren't the U2 we now recognize. In fact, it's fair to say the events of that night first established their reputation as an amazing live act and offered the first nascent hints of what was on the horizon. Look, here's a data point to help you place U2 in the 1983 music food chain. The last show they played before Red Rocks was the 1983 Us Festival, where they were strictly a middle-of-the-day sort of act, playing alongside Quarter Flash and Missing Persons. Solid, but not exactly pilgrimage material. And it's not like the Red Rocks ticket read, Admit one to the seminal concert of the decade that will chart the course of both the band and the venue for the next 35 years. All it said was, No outside food or drink. I guess I was supposed to read between the lines. The other thing you need to remember is that the Red Rocks you know isn't exactly the Red Rocks I knew in 1983. Its signature on the musical radar was greatly increased after the U2 concert. The number of times it turned up on the collective wish lists of the 80s nation is testimony to its allure. And make no mistake, it is absolutely a bucket-list destination. A jaw-dropping intersection of nature and culture, nothing short of transcendent. But it was also about 10 miles from my house. And I grew up thinking of it as our local concert venue. So I had been there many times before. I saw The Clash there the previous summer. I saw Jimmy Buffett there the following summer. In fact, I was there earlier that very week, seeing the English beat in Bow Wow Wow. And while familiarity may not always breed contempt, it's certainly not fertile ground for reverence. Additionally, Red Rocks was, and pretty much still is, a general admission venue, which meant that getting a decent seat, and by seat, I mean a foot and a half of concrete bench, you had to show up early and spend four or five hours basking in the Purple Mountain's majesty. Which is an important detail, because June 5th, 1983, was that rarest of weather phenomenon, a veritable meteorological unicorn. A rainy day in Denver. That's not to say it doesn't rain in Denver. Summer thunderstorms are common, and were frequent, often welcome, parts of a hot summer visit to Red Rocks. But this was a cold, overcast, dreary, rainy, one might be tempted to say Irish kind of day. It's kind of dismal in Ireland, you know, drizzly and stuff, so you'll be able to relate to this weather here. If you watch the Under a Blood Red Sky DVD, oh, stop rolling your eyes, millennials, it's on YouTube. You can't miss the miserable weather and the hand-wringing about whether there was even going to be a concert. And once the show actually begins, both opening acts had long since bailed, You can see the band's breath like it's a January playoff game at Lambeau Field.
3: Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown!
1: Unbelievable! So let's assemble all the variables and peer into the decisional calculus. My friends and I were faced with this choice. Sit on wet concrete in the cold rain for a few hours, waiting for a concert that might or might not happen from a band that was currently sharing billing with Dale Bazio or we could go to the movies. Well, it didn't take us long to make our decision. I can't remember what we saw, but I think it was Return of the Jedi. I'm sure this was a good idea? Freeze. The Red Rocks tickets were honored at an indoor venue in Boulder the next night, and a few of my friends went, but I had to work. In the days, oh, who am I kidding, hours afterwards, I was at complete peace with my decision and i wasn't alone less than half of the 9900 ticket holders actually attended the show in related news about 80 times the 9900 ticket holders now claim to have attended the show now of course when the video turned up on MTV months later i realized the amazing opportunity that had slipped through my popcorn greased fingers
0: this song is Sunday, bloody Sunday.
1: After all, I was a junior engineering major, and that type of pop culture capital doesn't exactly jump out of your thermodynamics lab book. I was gutted. Mm-hmm. I can't believe the news but in the years since then, I have once again come to terms with what happened. After all, no real harm was done. Both you 2 and Red Rocks did perfectly fine without me, and I'm certainly happy with how I turned out. If I had attended, I would have left with a wet concert t-shirt, and probably pneumonia. But instead, I have a great, if slightly embarrassing, story to tell. To paraphrase Robert Frost, Two lines diverged at the box office gate, and I, I took the one less cool, and that has made all the difference. But after all this, if you still shake your head in dismissive wonderment, I have one final comment. If you wish to vilify me for what I didn't do 35 years ago, be my guest. But I demand equal acknowledgement for what I did do that summer, because the opening act for that Bow Wow Wow English Beat concert I saw was an angsty group of alternative rockers who weren't exactly embraced by the new wave ska crowd. A little group called REM. So as I see it, my nineteen eighty three concert cred pretty much breaks even. How do I know? Because I'm Jeff in Cuba. And I was right.
3: Great story, guys! Right? I gotta say, Jeff is laying some serious vocabulary <laughs> words on us in that one. Yep. What do you got? A college degree there, Johnson? <laughs> I love this story. I mean,
0: he—you make all great points. I mean, I, it, in the same exact position, I would have done the same exact thing.
3: So it's defensible. It's absolutely <laughs> defensible. Although I do stand by my statement from that show. You know, she needed to be pretty hot and there wasn't even a girl involved. Star Wars movie.
0: A Star Wars Wars movie.
3: And as we, as we record this show tonight,
0: a few hours from now, the new Han Solo movie will be out. And did I think about going tonight? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) But but will I try to go to the first show on Sunday morning when everyone here in town is still in church? You betcha. Report back. (laughs) For everything, there is a rational decision. In the meantime, Hey, if you think that we missed out on a really great Forgotten Tune from 1982, email us at podcast.sits.com. At in the meantime, stay tuned because we will, I'm sure, within the next month or so, delve into the nearly impossible year of 1983 and try to find some forgotten classics from that. Impossible. But in the meantime, myself, Brad, Jen with one N, we remain here,
3: hopelessly stuck in the 80s. stuck in the 80s is a member of the clns media network special thanks to check battery daily for our theme music and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher or the clns media mobile app